Working Class Audio is made possible by the support of Cali Audio, DistroKid, Sampley Audio, Audio Technica, Gearspace, and Grace Design. This is the Working Class Audio Podcast, session 413. Working Class Audio, navigating the world of recording with a working class perspective. Here's your host, Matt Boudreaux. Thanks, Chuck. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Working Class Audio Podcast. This is session 413 you're listening to. My guest today, plural, two guests, that's right, is the return of mastering engineer Katie Tavini and a new guest, mastering engineer Stephen Carrison. They are two out of three mastering engineers that are now a part of the Weird Jungle Mastering Collective. This is going to be an interesting interview for me because... Katie and Steven, as well as Izzy McPhee, who will not be in the interview, have formed a virtual mastering facility. You know, typically you have multiple mastering engineers in a place or multiple mixing engineers, you know, in a facility, meaning in a, in a common building. Katie, Steven, and Izzy are all in different parts of the UK. So we're going to be discussing Weird Jungle, the virtual mastering collective. Katie Tavini and Steven Carrison coming up here on the Working Class Audio podcast. Grab your coffee cups, friends. Let's talk about enveloping. No, it's not a musical term. It's actually a home finance term. And I think it stems, I think the history of it stems from taking envelopes and writing vacation or rainy day fund and putting cash into those envelopes and then, you know, putting those on your desk. We live in the 21st century, so rather than cash and envelopes, we have banks that allow us to create envelopes. Not all banks have this feature. My business bank that I use has this feature, so it allows me to do that digitally. What I do is I go in and I create a series of categories. Taxes, retirement, emergency, you know, any category one could think of that would apply to your particular situation. And then I can say, take X percentage of the money that comes in every time a deposit is made and place that percentage into this envelope and this envelope and this envelope. I think you get the concept. It allows me to log in and the balance that I see is actually comprised of all monies that have not been allocated to the envelope system. So let's say I have 10 grand in a bank account and 8,000 of that is spoken for across multiple categories or multiple envelopes. Well, then I only have $2,000 available in the general fund to use. Then what I do is I go in and I say, okay, well, how much is in the tax folder? Okay, there's X amount in the tax folder. I'm gonna withdraw that. I'm gonna make a payment to the IRS. Or, oh, there's this much in the retirement fund. I'm gonna withdraw that and put it into my solo 401k. And on and on and on and on, right? The whole benefit of this is that I don't have to think about the percentages. I just, once I set them, I can set it and forget it. And then the money starts appearing in those envelopes. And then I can pull that money out and drive it to where it needs to go. And I don't even have to think about it. It's a simple auto process of saving. And once it's in that envelope, I don't think of it as anything else. It's almost like if you were at a job and you have money pulled out of your check for retirement or or taxes withdrawn, but if you're a freelancer, it's up to you to do that. So by creating a little automation, we kind of create a system that allows us to mimic that, that concept as if you had a regular job. Now, do you have to do that? No, 
But if you find that you lack the discipline to save and know those percentages, then this is a great system. If you've got the discipline, fantastic, or you have another system, that's cool too. But the whole concept is kind of a, a forced savings so that you know that you're saving. And, you know, let's say you're saving for a particular piece of gear or you want to have a, a fund set aside as an emergency gear purchasing thing, like if something gets uh, broken and you want it repaired, that could be great. And, you know, the tax thing and the, and the saving for a retirement thing, really, if anything, if you don't do anything else, create those two envelopes in your banking system. And I think you'll find that it brings a great amount of relief when you see, oh, I've saved that money for the IRS or what, or your tax authority in your country, uh, or I've saved this money for retirement. I need to put that away. Because otherwise, I think some of us look at those bank balances and we start to think, ooh, maybe I need a new MacBook Pro, or maybe I need to buy you know this giant plug-in package that's gonna be 1,500 bucks. And we may not be thinking clearly about what we really need to be doing with our money, which is covering all the, the foundational things. And this helps us do that. So it's not too complicated. I'll put a link in the show notes to the bank that I use, which utilizes this system. And you can check it out for yourself. It's a business bank and you can bank for free there, which is super cool. And they've got this feature and uh, it's got a lot of other features I like, but this is not a sales pitch on the bank itself. It's more just like, here's a bank I know that does this because I've experienced it. Your bank may already do it. So you may not even need to switch banks or go through that whole business. So this will just be an example bank for you. Get into the habit of enveloping and saving that money, making sure it's going where it needs to go. That's my rant. Thanks for listening. Let's get to it. Katie Tavini and Stephen Carrison here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Katie, Stephen, welcome to the podcast. But Katie, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having us. It was in November 19th, 2017, Katie, that you were on. It was like, I don't know, 260 episodes ago. Wow. Yeah. Five years. Was it, is it five years? <laughs> To do <laughs> none of us can count. None That's of us can fine, keep, though. Right. Maths. Don't ask anybody to count in real time. It was five years ago because I wrote an article that you asked me about, which is why you asked me to come on the show, about helping other engineers and stuff and being nice to people. Yeah. And you asked me about that. And today, Facebook reminded me that it was five years since that came out. That's so weird. I know. Strange how that, that timing works out. So first things first, Stephen, I've never met you and the audience hasn't either. So we have to just get a little quick background on you. Give us the bullet point. And I know that's totally unfair because you're not getting your own dedicated episode, but just give us the bullet points. Where did it start? How did it progress? How did you get to where you're at? Okay. The bullet points is actually, I mean, that's all it's going to take really. So same as I imagine most people who you speak to, Started out as a musician, did that for a long time, did a lot of live performance, fair bit of touring, lots of recording, all that sort of stuff. And then at a particular point in my life, I just realized that I really couldn't tour anymore. And I just didn't, I didn't want to keep traveling just to make money. So I completely retrained and just 
decided to do something studio based instead so that I didn't have to travel so that I could still you know I could still be with my son and my wife and my dog yeah and still be able to do something so I built a studio with a couple of friends here in Liverpool and it's yeah it's gone from there basically how's that for bullet points <laughs> that's that's awesome tracking mixing or mastering what's what's your thing mastering mastering okay yep so obviously I've dabbled in other things as as of most people, but yeah, it's just it's just mastering now. Yeah, dedicated. It's not only a British invasion, it's a mastering engineer invasion is what's happening yep. today. <laughs> okay, that's that's very interesting. And how how long have you been doing the mastering thing? Probably about six years now, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've done lots and lots of things before and obviously I dabbled in lots and lots of things, but yeah, just actually deciding to go, this is all I'm going to do now. Yeah. yeah. About that, I think. And how did you two end up meeting and working together? So it was over the pandemic. Stee, Stee had a podcast with Stee. So Stee and Stee, the Stees. What was your podcast called? Sound Talk. Sound Talk, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> T-O-R-Q-U-E. Um, but I'd known other Stee for quite some time before but never met this Steve before. And so we were podcasting and having a lovely time. And then well, we kind of got on really well from the start. And, you know, we spoke on the phone a few times after the podcast and was just like, wow, it's really nice to meet another mastering engineer with the same kind of vibe as me. And then I think I followed Steve's wife on Instagram because she's an amazing artist and was like, oh, Steve's wife loves all of the same things I do. This is cool. And so we just all got to know each other. And when I was working at the British Library, which is when we met in London, Matt, I had the idea of putting together a mastering collective because I knew mastering was what I wanted to do long term. I really liked at the British Library that there were loads of engineers all learning from each other. Mm -hmm. But I'm not the kind of person that really wants to work for a mastering house. And that's not really my vibe. So I'd kind of floated the idea with my manager, Brendan, about opening a virtual mastering house. (laughs) And then I got really, really busy. And it, it got to the point where I was recommending Steve for everything. And everyone was dead happy with you know working with Steve and the feedback was amazing and everyone was like oh thanks for putting us in touch this is great and I was like I want to work with Steve though as well like I'm sending everyone else to work with him but I I want to work with him and learn from him and have colleagues and stuff so um I think we made it official in like August 21 yeah because we because we were speaking and I initially approached you about like, because you were saying, oh, I'm, you know, I'm so slammed, I'm so busy. So I remember initially going like, well, you know, can I take anything off your hands? You know, can I help you out with your setting up your sessions or doing your metadata or anything like that? And you were just like, no, but I want to do this. <laughs> so that was really nice. Yeah. So this is, this is weird jungle we're talking about. Yeah, this is weird jungle. Okay. I couldn't think of a better name. And my Instagram followers named my studio for me, so we just kept that <laughs> name. Does it have anything to do with the wallpaper in your in your studio? Yeah, because if you master stuff for a label, they don't only want the name of who mastered it, they want the location as well. 
right. for like crediting stuff. And I, I kept on telling people to make up names for my studio. And there's only so many times people are willing to do that. Can you remember any of the any of the really good ones? No. There was a lot of like studio ones. It's like <laughs> it, it's the only one. <laughs> okay, so you two are not in the same building. Are you you're not even in the same city? No. Did I hear you correctly, Stephen? Did you say you're in Liverpool? Yeah, I am, yeah. Okay. I saw you visited Liverpool not that I long did, ago. Yeah, I was going to say I was there this past summer, yeah, with my family. We were there for a number of days. I, I saw a picture on your Instagram of you by the Penny Lane sign. Yeah. That's like 100 meters that way. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'll just have to come back. Totally. Pop in for a cup of coffee. Yeah. Or one of the many pubs that you have to choose from. Okay, so you've got Weird Jungle. Is it just you two or are there others? No. So we've got another mastering engineer called Izzy McPhee, who is wonderful. And then we've got a bookings manager called Carla, who basically keeps us organized, organizes our diary. And then my manager, Brendan, kind of oversees everything and helps out. So it's it's a really nice, nice small team. And then we've kind of got unofficial extended team people, you know, like some mix engineers and stuff that we work with on a regular basis. What's the goal of having a virtual mastering facility here? What's the goal and what have you discovered are the benefits of it? Well, I think the goal is, and correct me here, Katie, if I'm wrong here, but I think we realized that there was such a gulf between your Abbey Roads and your metropolises mm -hmm. and then the, the wild west of the internet of people offering mastering services and you just not really knowing what that really means or what that really entails. It's really difficult just to find people who are working at a professional level, but who are still accessible mm -hmm. and are still, you know, you're able to, to get on the phone and speak to, and it's quite personable. I think that that was one of the things that we really wanted to do, make it personable and make it, make it approachable and, and not make it intimidating for people. So we, we realized that there was, there were a number of people working at that kind of level. And wouldn't it be nice if, if we were just all kind of connected in some way? We can all vouch for each other. We can all help each other. It's beneficial for everybody, I, I think. So obviously you have the Weird Jungle website, which is kind of a funnel to bring people in. But does that stop you from working independently of one another? No. Okay. What kind of agreements do you have in place to make this work so that it stays cohesive and it continues to fulfill the mission of, of the concept? We have a non-exclusive management contract. So under the hood, it's, yeah, it's basically a management company and I technically manage C and Izzy, but they're free to go and get their own work as well. But I think the main thing is just communicating really, really well with everyone else and making sure that everyone's happy, everyone's got enough work in, mm -hmm. everyone feels like they're heading in the right direction, just making sure that just everyone's having a really nice time, basically. <laughs> yeah. Is the main thing. And I think a lot of the time, obviously we, you know, there is this non-exclusive agreement where we can work independently, but mm. I mean, I, I can't speak for Izzy, but more often than not, it's, you know, I just kind of want to funnel everything through Weird Jungle anyway, just because it's it just benefits everybody. Yeah. It's been interesting 
looking like a company than an individual human. When I looked like an individual human that did mastering, quite a lot of people would, but not everyone, so many people really valued me and my time, but having a company there and sort of being a team, people feel really looked after. Mm-hmm. And Carla, who does all the bookings, makes sure that everyone, everyone who we work with has all of the information they know exactly what they need to send us and when. They know exactly when their mastering date is booked in for. They know exactly when they can expect to receive their files. So it feels like it makes it better for both ends because the artists know exactly what's going to happen. And also, so do we, because mm-hmm. Carla's organized us all. And that's really nice. And there's a lot sort of going through the company thing. There's a lot fewer people I mean, I never really got it that much, but there'd be like one a year who tried to take the piss. Um, <laughs> whereas, you know, now, I don't know, Steve, but I don't get that at all anymore. No, I, I mean, I never really got it much anyway. Uh, I think another thing that really, that works is that, like, I really believe that you get back what you put out. And I think the way we approach things and the way we've set things up and what we promise to people and what we offer to them I think it's just, it's nice. It works both ways. We tend to attract really, really nice people to work with. I've certainly found that anyway. <laughs> Agreed. Totally. Where's Izzy located? Um, Izzy's in Bristol. Interesting. So to the outsider, you have, you know, we're jungle, London, Liverpool, Bristol. I'm actually in Brighton now. Oh, you're in Brighton. Okay. I'm in Brighton. I moved. <laughs> okay. Bristol, Brighton, Liverpool. Okay. Yeah. Is that is that the big one of the big life changes? Yeah, I mean the other big life change is that I quit my job. I do this full time now. So when we when we hung out in London in was it twenty eighteen? I'm gonna say eighteen or nineteen. Yeah, you quit your job. Did that coincide with the formation of Weird Jungle? No. So okay. I quit my job in the pandemic and got really really busy really quick, like a lot quicker than I thought was going to happen. And that's kind of what was one of the sort of, yeah, was trying to set up Weird Jungle really quickly to cope with that because I really like recommending people that I know are going to give the same passion as I'm going to give someone. Mm -hmm. And when I met Steve, that wasn't even a question. That all just fell into place and I was like, okay, this is my colleague. <laughs> and so we did that. How do you decide who's going to do what? A lot of people request certain people. Hmm. So we have inquiries coming in for all of the engineers or it kind of goes on a diary basis as well. So sometimes Steve might be busy and so someone will go with Izzy instead. Hmm. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of diary juggling from Carla's point of view where she can just I mean, some of it is deadline-based as well. Uh, I think Carla's clever with the diaries. Oh, she she's so manages, clever. <laughs> yeah, she manages to make sure that sort of everyone seems to get everything they need. Is it Carla's job to make sure that the assets come to the right mastering engineer, that you get all the audio? and? Yeah, she puts that in our diaries, along with all of the metadata, exactly what formats people need, who to invoice. Basically, it's the dream. She's so It really is. So you each individually, you invoice? Yes. Ah, interesting. 
So you, you have one central person who takes care of the schedule, the diary, as you say, and make sure that that stays intact, but it's up to you individually to invoice. And is there an agreement on price on, we all agree that the price points are going to be this. Yeah. So we have essentially a menu <laughs> that, oh, yeah. we, that we can sort of send out to people who inquire, which have all of our price points because they're all different as well. We try and cater for different budgets as well. And then, yeah, obviously there's a pooled percentage that we jungle runs on essentially. Oh, okay. So a percentage comes out right off the top for weird jungle operations or like to pay Carla. Like how does, how does that work? Exactly like that. Yeah, <laughs> nearly. <exactly. laughs> okay, cool. This is a really interesting concept. I'm really loving this idea of pooling resources, presenting a united front and having colleagues that you can interact with, that you can bounce ideas off of but all under the same umbrella. Now, Weird Jungle is the entity presented to the public, but from a business legal perspective with how that works in the UK in general, like how does, how does that even work? I mean, I know that, <laughs> you know, in the United States, it's like you could, you could set up, I'm sure it's very much the same. You can either be like a sole proprietor or you can be a limited liability company, an LLC, or any number of entities. Did you set up an entity, or is this just a website in name only, and you all bill individually as Stephen and Katie and Izzy? Yeah, no, it's literally just the website. Okay. Okay, well, that simplifies it. Yeah, because I don't think anything like this has really been done before. Like, obviously, it's been done on a really big scale, like sound better and stuff like that. Right. But... Yeah, not on a personal level. So we didn't really know how it was going to work. So we're sort of just making adjustments as we go along with like every part of it because we've got nothing to copy from, you know. So like when I started mastering, I had loads of other mastering engineers to look at and see, okay, what are they doing? I probably yeah. need to be doing that as well. But yeah, I have not found anything <laughs> that exists like this. So we're very much just making it up as we go along. We have a, a team meeting once a month, which is tonight actually, and just talking about what works and what doesn't and just trying to make things better for all of us and all of our clients at the same time. Hey, our friends over at DistroKid have created the DistroKid app for Android, which allows you to do some key things such as check your stats from Apple and Spotify, edit release metadata, upload new releases, and a host of other features. And remember, WCA listeners get 30% off your first year at DistroKid. And if you just head on over to workingclassaudio.com slash WCA30, you can follow the link, get your 30% off, and be off to the races. So check our friends out at DistroKid and make sure and get your 30% off by going to workingclassaudio.com slash WCA30. About a year and a half ago, I signed up for Sampley.app and I have to report back and say that I'm completely thrilled with it and it's working out quite well. It gives me the ability to upload mixes and masters to the website and provide a super pro looking interface for my clients. They can drop comments in the timeline. They can listen on any device. They can listen to it in high res. And if I want them to pay for the mix or master before they download it, because of the Stripe integration, I can set that up. There's also Dropbox integration, which allows me to quickly create a folder in my Dropbox, which automatically syncs with Sampley, makes it much more simple. You should check it out for yourself. 
but there's a deal to be had. So use the code WCA20. Go to sampley.app or sampley.app. Use the code WCA20, get 20% off, and you'll be off to the races. It's a fantastic tool that I think you're going to enjoy and will definitely make you look a lot more pro when you're delivering files to clients. Skip that whole business where you send it to them over Dropbox. That looks totally amateur at this point. Use sampley.app and use that code WCA20, and I think you're going to be really thrilled. Sampley.app. Check it out. And you know, one thing, I don't know if this coincided with the formation of Weird Jungle, Katie, but there was a point at which I noticed that your social media presence, I just started to see you like all the time doing stuff, participating in stuff, winning awards, just really active. What spurred that on? Did that coincide with management? Did that coincide with Weird Jungle? Where did this all stem from? There's been a few things. So the, uh, the article that came out five years ago, Stay, which you then interviewed me about, that got a load of people interested. And then coming on this podcast, that was another big thing for me. I guess it snowballed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was weird. So the first time I got nominated for Mastering Engineer of the Year, I still had a full-time job archiving, <laughs> playing tapes every day. So that was really weird and really, really unexpected. And I felt like a bit of a fraud. And I actually didn't master anything for about two or three months after that because I had really, really bad anxiety from that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess what Steve said before, like what you put out into the world, you get back. So yeah. if you put out like good vibes and positivity and, and nice to people, then people like that, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know how it's worked. Yeah. But so... I think we spoke about this on the previous episodes that we did. So I used to do a marketing job and I really saw that whatever I did on social media directly affected my bookings. So there was a bit of that as well. It's really bizarre. Like the more you post sometimes, people are just aware. It's inevitable. They are on their phones all the time. So that's where they hear about you. And for better or for worse... It seems to be working for you, especially, you know, you, you said you didn't, you didn't master anything for a couple of months. You were having some imposter type syndrome. And I know that that kind of comes and goes with a lot of people, but you obviously broke out of that rut of two months. Was there anything that just put you over the top to say, no, I'm good. I'm going to keep going here. Yeah. I got asked to master an album for an artist I really like called Nadine Shah. She's incredible. And I've been a big fan for years. And her producer, Ben, asked me for a test master. And I was I was a bit scared. <laughs> I was a bit like, hmm, don't know if I want to do this. And then kind of just thought, well, if I don't, I'm going to be kicking myself. But that was the only project I worked on over that period. And working with Ben Hillier really was such a great experience because he's so knowledgeable and he's done so much amazing stuff he really guided me through the mastering process and then by the end of it I was like okay I feel like I've learned a lot doing this and I've worked with one of my favorite artists I feel like I'm <laughs> I'm ready to do do some more of this again now so mm-hmm. yeah that kind of dragged me out of it on the mastering front when dealing with clients I should say when working with clients dealing with clients sounds like it's such an uphill battle <laughs> When working with clients, is there ever a request in this post, I'm using air quotes, post-COVID era, because some people have different sensibilities about COVID still. So 
is there a request to come in person and be there for the mastering for either of you? Yeah, you don't, do you, Katie? No, I really put out there that I don't do any attended sessions because I have a really short attention span and you will both know this, but I will just fucking talk at people <laughs> and have a really nice time and then realise that I've not done any work. I need to be focused and concentrate. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm the same to a point. I think I don't do very many attended sessions and if people ask to come in for them... I'll tell you what, the point that the point that I think I really like it, and I think the point is really useful, is if you're doing an album for somebody, and once you've done all of the audio processing and you've made it sound great and they're really, really happy with the way it sounds, to then get the artist in or the band or whatever into the same room and then assemble the record with them and sort out all any crossfades or any silences and things like that, like to kind of put the final thing together. I think it's a really nice thing to do with other people in the room. I really enjoy that a lot because mm. it's kind of the pressure's off in terms of doing anything super intricate with any audio or anything. It's everyone's just excited because it's nearly finished and it's, it's a cool thing. You know, you can have a couple of beers while you're doing it. You know, it's, it's quite a nice thing to do, I think. And it's less pressure than having somebody there, you know, whilst you're <laughs> doing some minute changes that they probably can't even hear and that sort of thing. So I quite like that. And of course, you can send people away with something as well, which is a really satisfying thing to sort of go, right, you know, where's your pen drive? There you go. There's your album. So I really like that. I do like doing that bit. And as far as Liverpool is concerned, obviously, I was just there as a tourist, so I didn't really explore this. But music scene wise, is that a strong music scene or, or not? It's a very fertile music city. There's tons of venues. There's tons of live music there's tons of bands it's it is a bit odd in it's not it's often missed off off uk touring circuits and things like that because it's because of its proximity to manchester i mean if you didn't know the landscape of britain say if you're like someone who didn't live in britain you were booking a tour for a band you'd probably book manchester and go oh there's no point in playing liverpool it's right next to it so there's a bit of a, a gap there, but in terms of a local scene and stuff, there's tons of music and really varied stuff as well. There's an amazing left-field avant-garde scene in Liverpool, which isn't talked about enough, I don't think. There's like really forward-thinking stuff. And of course, there's there's tons of guitar bands who just are obsessed with the Lars. <laughs> like like <laughs> right. millions of them. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So are you both working out of your homes? I'm not. Okay. Tell me about that. Well, I've got a studio about 10 minutes away from the house. I can't work from home because I live in a very traditional Northern England red brick terrace house. Okay. So yeah, no one's playing music at 85 dB for like 10 hours a day here. So yeah, my studio is about 10 minutes away. I built it with a couple of friends not long after I first moved to Liverpool. And it was great. It was a basement that we took over and we took it over like at, at bare walls it was it was awful it was, it was horrible you know in horror films where you kind of get led down to where awful things have happened to people it's a bit like that when we first took it on so we built proper walls in there and you know made sure the walls were going to be good for sound absorption things like that took us uh it took us a little while and then we've been slowly tweaking it since so yeah we've been there for a while now it's just the two of us now. It's like I share the space with a producer called Paul Rafferty, who's an excellent mix engineer. 
So we've got this kind of dual purpose room where he does production, mixing, I do mastering. It's great. How does the Weird Jungle booking system work out for you and this other gentleman that you work out of the space with? Because you've got this outside space, it's got its own calendar. So yeah, how does that work? Well, because there's no band sessions happening in there, there's never any live bands or anything like that. So it's mostly, we both work alone in there most of the time. I have a young son and my wife's as Kate mentioned, my wife's an artist. She's self-employed as well. So we both, we have to split our calendar. There's a, there's a third calendar there's in play. a third play calendar, here. yeah. We've got to split our calendar as well because, I mean, neither of us are interested in being housewives or house husbands. We, you know, we've both got to do our, our own thing. So our week's split in half. So, <laughs> so I, I work three days a week. She works three days a week. And we have like a family day together. So when I'm in the studio... Paul is not in the studio and vice versa. So it all it all works out. Have you discovered any downsides to this arrangement that you all have? I think no, actually. I know that's quite a bold statement, but for me personally, everything has been well better. Yeah, I can't think of a I can't think of any negatives. Hmm. For example, when I went on holiday, <laughs> <laughs> I just sent some album masters to a band and Steve was able to finish them off and do the sequence and create all the formats for me because the band needed a bit of extra time because they were playing festivals and stuff. Just little things like that of having colleagues is amazing. Otherwise, that band would have had to wait two weeks and miss their pressing slot and all that kind of stuff. Or I'd have had to take my laptop on holiday (laughs) and do some work. Yeah, I feel like it's been really positive for everyone. But Mm -hmm. then maybe that's just me and no one's telling me that it's shit. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to figure it out right here on this call. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I mean, I completely agree. I I mean, I think the main thing from our side, because I I think what we can do for artists and and on, I hate using the word clients, actually. Like, Mm -hmm. I know that sounds really, I I don't like using it. But what we offer to artists and our, our clients I think it's really, really good. I think it's of a really high quality. It's of a really personal quality. There's a We can always have a really nice rapport with people. But I think from my perspective, from this side of things, the thing that's so nice about it, I mean, I'm, I'm not telling you anything you don't know here. We all work on our own. We all sit here in studios by ourselves. And sometimes you just don't speak to anyone for like days and days. So to know that like, you know, Katie and Izzy are, are there... At the same time, working on stuff, it's just, you know, when you're having a rubbish day in the office or whatever, you've you can <laughs> you've got colleagues, you can have a chat and it makes everything feel better. And you don't get to do that when you're just sitting by yourself. So to have this kind of collective is just, I think it's just so helpful for everyone. And the amount of stuff I've learned, just from just like firing a quick message to, to Katie and Izzy, just going like, struggling with this, like, what would you do? I mean, it's just, it's such a nice thing to have. Do you keep... A consistency amongst the three of you as far as gear. Do you all use the same DAW? Oh, I think we do all use the same same DAW, I think. Yeah, but I'm on a like ten year old version because I'm scared of change. <laughs> <laughs> What's the DAW that you all prefer? So we're all using WaveLab. Okay. Big up the Steinberg Massive. But yeah, like as far as sort of outboard gear and monitors and all of that kind of stuff. We're all totally different. 
setups. I guess we all have our sort of different vibe as well when it comes to mastering, like different things that we're really, really into. Like Izzy's into a lot of electronic music. Steve's into loud, horrible stuff. And I'm into (laughs) (laughs) like indie. (laughs) You know, obviously we all do all genres, but sort of I think our studios really reflect the stuff that we really vibe with the most. You should put that on the website, Stephen. I'm into really loud, <laughs> horrible stuff. But I, I, I love working on pop as well. Like, I do. I just I absolutely love it. So it's, uh, you know, I've, yeah, don't pigeonhole me. But no, I think what's interesting about the gear, though, is that the more we talk to each other, like, it's if one of us finds something that we really like, like a bit of gear or a plug-in or whatever, obviously we're going to say to the others, oh, I've got, found this, it's brilliant. It's just a really cool thing. So I think... Both me and Katie work with SSL Fusions now. That's quite a new acquisition to me. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's brilliant. I think we do have some stuff that we use the same, yeah. don't we? Yeah. Like you, you introduced me to the to the Limitless limiter, which I just like. That's my that's my go to now. It's brilliant. I'd never used it before. You recommended it, so there's always going to be that sort of stuff, isn't there? And have you all visited each other's studios? No, I've no, I've never been. No. <laughs> You know what? I I don't really get excited going to studios because it's like I get excited by using studios. But when you know when you go to a studio just to have a look, it's like just looking at a picture of cake without being able to eat the cake. Right. Do you know what I mean? Whereas me and Steve went to a load of gigs in Liverpool last year, and yeah. that was really fun. Like it was um, a music festival, so we got to go to loads of gigs and talk about music we liked and why we liked it and yeah just see loads of new cool stuff and that that is way more fun than looking at a studio i think did the three of you ever do you make it a priority to get together and and hang out in person it's a bit difficult because we're pretty much at the opposite ends of the country yeah but i mean we have we have done a couple of times i think we've only actually really hung out together two or three times in real life does that sound yeah. right? I don't even know. I think it's more than that. It seems like it sure. should be, shouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with Katie, really. I mean, the, with the studios thing. It's, I, I mean, obviously, I really enjoy hanging out with people who are doing really, really cool stuff. But yeah, I, I'm not really a gear guy massively. I think you can make the distinction between being super into audio and super into music. And I think, obviously, those two worlds cross over heavily. But I definitely lean more towards being super into music rather than super into audio, really. I think all three of us are more into music than into the kind of technicalities of it. Izzy as well. Izzy's been a DJ for years and years, and she's Mm -hmm. really, really passionate about finding new music. And that's one of the things that I really liked about her when we first met. Because she's been a DJ for so long, she just knows how music should sound which to me is incredible. So we're all music heads and not gear heads necessarily. Yeah. And I think those things mm. are, you know, I've talked about this before. I think that the technical side of what we do, without wanting to sound really sort of blasé or anything, like you can learn it relatively easy. It's not super difficult to learn how to use a compressor or whatever, but it's knowing what the end result should sound like, I think is the thing that is the most important. 
And I think just being really into music and just listening to it all the time is the way to do that. But even just knowing, like, if you're like super new to this stuff and you're learning all of it, like, how do you know what reference tracks to use unless you have like a a working knowledge of of music? You know what I mean? Yeah. So is there because you said you get together for meetings, I assume over Zoom or, or something, every so often. Obviously, I, I, there's the natural tendency to want to share techniques or ideas or how to solve, you know, sonic problems. Is there also shared knowledge of business techniques in terms of dealing with taxes and how to save for retirement, et cetera, et cetera? We have talked about it. Like we have shared a few things about how we manage our... Because like we touched on earlier, our invoicing and stuff is all individual. So yeah, of course, we sort of, we've talked about how, how each of us do it and how we organise our pots and things like that. But yeah, it's not something we talk about a lot, though, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's something we should probably talk about more because I don't have a clue. I'm really clueless with that stuff. Yeah, I'm just going to admit that straight away. Like, I'm not a business person. I just want to make good music. Yeah. We have talked about it a little bit, but we should probably... I don't know. It's like you've got to do the shit bits, haven't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's not fun. It really isn't, but it's like... It's something that I personally have just prioritized for the last several years over the course of the podcast because it's just really helped me get my shit together mm-hmm. and overcome some things of the past. And now I'm on much better footing than I was before. So I'm always curious if others are in the process or where, where they're at in that process, even though it's not fun. Well, having been a working musician for a long time before I started studio-based work, I was just totally used to having absolutely no money, ever. <laughs> there you go. So it's new to me, really, being able to actually have to think about this stuff properly and think about it as a as your business. Is um, I just don't think it's something that comes particularly naturally to creative people at all. I'm totally um, in agreement. It is not it is not our superpower at all <laughs> to do this. You know, I think many people who hear this are probably going to go, "Aha." Uh-huh, that's a great idea. I'm going to do that with a couple of friends of mine. What would your advice be from each of you based on your experience with Weird Jungle to those people in forming another virtual, whether it's a mastering house or a group of mixing engineers or some variation on this idea? What would your advice be? Do it for the right reasons. Don't do it because you want more work or because you want to further your own career do it because you're really passionate about being part of a team and working on good shit because when you set something like this up you are basically starting again from scratch so Matt you talked before about like my social media presence and getting asked to do lots of things and events that's great like I had that all ticking over but you know you set up something like this and you're basically starting from scratch again (laughs) So it is hard. It's It does sound like the perfect scenario and it is perfect. And it's amazing. I wouldn't change it. But the amount of time, money, sleep, energy that I've spent doing this so that we can all benefit from it, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And 
if you're not doing it for the right reasons or you're not super passionate about being in a team and building everybody up, then you're not going to want to do it. Okay. Stephen, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it, it can't be about you. It has to be about everyone. I think it's all about the people. It's it's not even really about skill set. I, I know that sounds really, you know, obviously we're all professional at what we do, but it's way more important than that. It's just is to do something with people who you can just talk to like pretty much every day and it's always fun. Mm-hmm. That's it. And yeah, like just do not even entertain the idea that anyone's in competition with each other. Right. That, <laughs> I was going to ask that. Yeah. <laughs> it's it just, it's not going to work. If you see your colleagues as competitors, it's just, it's that's never going to work. Genuinely, I think that goes for anyone in this industry, I think. It was a massive revelation to me that, like, if you reach out to people as friends and as colleagues rather than competitors, then everybody wins. Everyone gets nice things. There's enough music. There's tons of music. There's enough to go around. So, yeah, you don't need to be competitive with each other. Right. And the the benefit of this that I can see is, let's say Katie works on a record that gets a lot of attention it only raises the profile of the whole team because then that goes on the website. When people go there, they're like, oh, okay, these folks worked on this record. Oh, I love that record. Oh, and Steven's available this time. So, or Izzy's available. It doesn't all necessarily mean that if Katie has a successful record under her belt this year, that doesn't mean that you and Izzy suffer. Like the complete opposite, yeah. Right. And and we've all, and the nice thing about coming together, having all been sort of all established to some degree in our own rights, is that when we've all pulled it together, everyone's work reflects on everybody else, which is awesome. It's just, and like you said, you know, if someone does a record that does really, really well and they come back and somebody else is available, that, I mean, that has literally happened. Like, yeah. <laughs> on on more than like, one occasion. Loads. <laughs> And it's Carla who books, right? Yeah. Okay, so as Carla looks at the schedule, does she try to balance, like she may say, oh, hey, Izzy hasn't been working as much lately. We need to, we need to funnel some stuff to Izzy to make sure all three of you are working. I know you can't speak for her, but is that a factor to make sure that all of you have work? Yeah, totally. Although we all have really different working schedules. Izzy's an engineer at a studio as well. And obviously Steve works three days a week and then does like childcare stuff. So yeah, it, it kind of really depends on when people's deadlines are and also budget because we are all charged different rates. And that's something that is really important to me is I really wanted to make really good mastering accessible to all different types of artists, wherever they are at in their career and whatever their budgets are can't remember the question now. I've just been talking. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, just basically wondering how Carla manages to... Does she base her decisions for booking simply on deadline or does she base it on, I need to make sure all three of these people are working equally? Well, from what I understand, she doesn't outright make the decisions of, of who does what. I think she offers certain options basically mm. to, to people who inquire based on their budget based on their deadline based on their preference i mean some people just come to the website and outright just go oh, i just want to work with katie which you know that's great there you go but obviously some people are a bit more like they just want to get involved in the collective or some people want to 
work with one of us, but unfortunately we're not available. But at least they know that if they work with another one of us, they're going to get the same level of quality and the same kind of thing because we're all, you know, we're all on the same page and we've all kind of <laughs> vetted each other for one of a better term. Yeah, yeah. What about on pricing? Do you all discuss like, well, I want to charge this much. Well, I want to charge this much. Well, I disagree. You shouldn't charge that much. Like, is there ever a disagreement about, like, did you have to make any changes when you came to the group? No, actually. Quite natural, really, wasn't it? It was really natural. I mean, one of the first times where I spoke to Steve after we initially met, I told him to put his rates up. And then so last year we were charging the same and then I put my rates up in April this year just because I was getting too busy. Mm-hmm. And then Izzy's a little bit cheaper than Stee because she's a lot newer. So it kind of, yeah, it all worked out really naturally. It, <laughs> it, yeah. Everything has just come together without really needing to put too much thought into it, I guess. There's also a lot more, um, like because in terms of budget, like Casey was saying, we wanted to be able to make it as accessible as possible to as many people as possible. So not only have our, are the different engineers slightly different rates, but also within that, we also do a tiered system for self-funding artists, independent labels and major labels as well. I think it's a brilliant idea. I guarantee, in my mind, I can only imagine anybody hearing this is, is going to probably want to do this. And it's going to become a more trending thing because it makes a lot of sense, especially in this day and age with you know, everybody in their own little hole in different parts of the world, I think it's it's going to become a, a more popular thing. So I think you're on to something here and uh, kudos to you. I think it's great. But for the listener, links will be in the show notes, not only for the website, for the Instagram page, so you can follow up and reach out if you have any questions. I want to thank you all so much for being here. It's great to see you, Katie. Stephen, great to meet you. I love this idea and I wish you the best of luck. I think it's going to continue to be brilliant for you. Thanks so much. Thank you, Matt. Real pleasure to speak to you. Great to see you both. You take care. Our friends over at Cali Audio have just introduced the brand new LP UNF system, which is meant to give you everything you need from a studio monitor in a package that you can basically set up anywhere. And the system is specifically designed for your desk. So no matter how else you're using your desk, reflections from the drivers to the desk to your ears are accounted for giving you a perfectly clear picture of your mix that you can rely on to translate well. Whether you're putting them on stands behind your desk, on a desk away from walls, on a desk against a wall, on a desk on speaker stands away from the walls, there's a number of configurations and they have settings on the back to accommodate all of that and more. And if price is a concern, never fear. They're priced at $299. That's right, pretty affordable. Head on over to caliaudio.com and check out the new LPUNF. Katie Tavini and Stephen Carrison here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Thanks so much for being here with me today. I want to thank the crew. That includes Anne-Marie Plow in the editing, Cliff Truesdell in the Working Class Audio theme song, and the lovely voice of Chuck Smith at the top of the show. Connect with me on LinkedIn. And until next time, take care. Hey, I know many of you are aware of this, but for those of you that aren't aware, Working Class Audio sponsors the forum over at gearspace.com called Audio Life. And quite simply put, it's a place where audio professionals can go to talk with other audio professionals about things other than audio gear, including life hacks, work-life balance, health and hearing loss, 
you know, if you want to talk with other audio professionals who can identify with what your lifestyle is like and how it relates to things going on in the world outside of audio, this is a great place to go and check out. So head on over to gearspace.com, check out Audio Life, many of the same topics that we discuss here on the show on gearspace.com. So check that out. (laughs) 